Welcome to the Rocking Motherhood Show, where we talk about the latest topics, news and information affecting the modern mum. We're for working mums, at-home mums, breastfeeding mums, bottle-feeding mums. We don't care. We're all rocking motherhood the best way we know how. Here's your host, Sarah Morrissey. It's Sarah from Little Rockers Radio here for the Rocking Motherhood Show and today I'm chatting to someone who most new mums probably wish they had living in their home with them. It's Kylie from The Sleep Mama. Hi Kylie, how are you? I'm great Sarah, how are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Now I would love to start by asking you, uh, I guess for some tips for brand new mums, mums who may still be trying to find what works for them and their bubs in terms of sleep and routines and all of those sorts of things, what advice do you have for new mums? Oh, look, there is nothing, those early weeks with a new baby, there is nothing like it and you can read all of the books in the world and you can do your best to be prepared. You can listen to everyone. But once you have your little baby, it's, it's a whole new ball game. And I always say to mums, the most important thing and the only thing I want them to focus on in those early weeks is feeding their baby. That's, that's it. Don't try and implement a strict routine. Don't get caught up in what you should be, shouldn't be doing. Don't stress too much. Just focus on feeding. And that applies whether it's breast or bottle because it all takes time. Yes. Um, That's just the biggest thing. And I know that for myself and so many mums that I work with, breastfeeding is hard. Mm. So it takes some time. And even if it's not hard, it can take time to get into the rhythm and help your little one attach and all of that. So for new mums, I don't recommend a strict routine at all. Yep. And I definitely don't suggest having too many expectations those first few weeks. Just do what you can, sleep when you can, as cliche as that is. Um, But just try and find your own rhythm. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing for brand new mums. Yeah, and it's so true, isn't it? And you can look back once your children are older and think, and it's so easy to say, find your own rhythm, do your own thing. And when you're in the thick of it, it's really hard to not put pressure on yourself, isn't it? But it really is the answer to just sort of take it in the ebbs and flows that it comes in. It is so hard. And one of the things I can't stress enough to someone who's pregnant at the moment or I just had a new baby it's so important to remember that everyone around you has an opinion Mm. and they're going to give it to you whether you want it or not. (laughs) Um, I know for my husband, Matt and myself, I, before I had the boys, I was so confident, you know, I would, I would try and breastfeed, but if it didn't work, that would be okay. And I wouldn't be bothered by it. And I had all of these, you know, um, sort of beliefs that of how it would be. Mm. But the next minute we had these two little babies handed to us. And every time a new midwife or a new nurse would come on shift, they had an opinion about how things should be done. Yes. And you're so, you're so emotional and you're vulnerable and you want to do everything right and you want to be amazing. So you want to take their advice. Mm. And I'm, I'm someone who's quite self-assured. I'm quite confident. But I found myself so susceptible to every time a nurse would tell me something, I thought it was the gospel. Um, and now... Now looking back, I can see that, you know, Mary has an opinion and Joan has an opinion and, you know, Mm. you take it with a grain of salt. But in the moment, it is hard not to take it to heart. So that's why I always say if you can just focus on feeding and it doesn't matter whether you you go breast or bottle, whatever it is, just make that your priority 
and know that in the coming weeks, you're going to become the own expert of your own baby. Yeah, that's so true. And I love hearing people say, especially experts who, who I guess are, are looked up to for advice, I love hearing people say, it doesn't matter whether it's breast or bottle, you need to do what you can do and that's fine. I, I just Absolutely. love it when I hear people say that because otherwise the pressure is, is just too much. And you're so right. I know, I mean, I had been working before I had my children. I'd been working in corporate and I was, I guess, kind of academic. Like I would read books and I would, you know, gather information and all of that sort of we thing. Yeah, I'm like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and my son was, I, I don't know, I think I probably started to look around for help when he was about four, three or four weeks old. And I started reading all these books and they were very strict, rigid types of books with a one size fits all. And I was, I found myself getting frustrated at my son um, you know emotionally because he wasn't doing what these books said every single child should do and I know that sounds crazy because when you look back on it it's you know but in the moment it doesn't beings. feel crazy yeah exactly yeah. yeah so I guess there are a lot of those books and a lot of that advice out there what is your opinion on that very strict one-size-fits-all approach I think that for the early days I totally agree with what you're saying mm. because, you know, you might only have a three-week-old, but that will possibly be the longest three weeks of your life. Yes. And it's going to feel like the pressure is enormous and you might have moments where you think to yourself, wow, if I'm looking down the barrel of a lifetime like this, I'm not going to cope. Mm. But those early weeks are not then in no way an indication of how the rest of your infancy or toddlerhood is going to go. True. Because when you have a new a newborn, you're either going to have one that's incredibly sleepy and you're going to think to yourself, what's the fuss about? My child sleeps all the time. This is incredible mm. um, until around four months and then, you know, it's <laughs> shift. Um, or you're going to have the opposite. You're going to have a newborn that hardly ever sleeps, possibly has colic. It's not always an indication of how their whole infancy is going to go, but mm. at that moment you feel like it is mm. so I think that's why so many mums are searching they're reading all of the books they're trying to find what is the answer that's going to help me right now with this newborn mm. um, and so I, I understand it and you know I personally I feel like some of those books do a little more damage than good mm. they're so strict and there's so so much information and so many recommendations and, um, you know, including included in a lot of them is pumping schedules and it's just, there's a lot for a new mum to try and take in. Yes. Um, and I know that, I know that myself, when we created our sleep programs, we have three programs. So we have one for, um, pregnancy through to five months, then we have five through to 12 months and 12 months through to two and a half. But when we created program one, um, I, I almost felt a bit like, I was worried that people would think, oh, you know, this program is exactly what we need to do for a newborn. So I wanted to make sure, and anyone who has the program and who's watched the tutorials will know, we're all about the first few, like, you know, the first eight to 12 weeks, focus on feeding. Yes. We have information in there that is proven to support infant sleep, which you can absolutely introduce. Mm -hmm. um, there's amazing swaddling techniques. There's things you can do to a newborn's environment to help them sleep. But I don't ever suggest being super strict or trying to follow, um, you know, that one size fits all approach. It's just, it's not realistic. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's the advice that's there that you can then adapt to suit. And they do, like I agree, I've, I mean, I've only had two. I'm definitely no expert whatsoever. But I do agree that they do get to an age where that, 
slightly stricter routine does really work for them. It's just that you're, when you're trying to implement it in those really, really early weeks, it's, it's much harder to do. Now, if people, you mentioned the three programs, which I was going to briefly touch on, the birth to five months, the five months to 12 months, and then the 12 months to two and a half years. If people are interested in finding out more about those programs, they can go to your website at thesleepmama.com. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We've got lots of info up there. We also have our Instagram account. Um, over on Snapchat, I talk a lot about, you know, all sorts of different parenting things, but the website's a great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Now, finally, I also wanted to ask you, we've come into the time of year that lots of um, people or adults love before they have children, which is daylight savings. We all love the, yeah, the before, longer days. Before they have children, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and then, then when... you have a baby and you're like, what? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And and you're trying to put your children, and mine are seven and nine now, they're much older, but they, I still, you know, at times have trouble getting them to bed, but it's still light outside, mum. So, and with, with younger children, what are, do you have any tips or advice for people who are going through that stage at the moment of trying to get their children, their baby or their toddler to bed when it's still light outside? Yes, definitely. So a couple of things. Um, obviously, you want to look at the environment. So the, I'm talking about um, the nursery or your toddler's bedroom or your children's bedroom. You want to have a look at your environment and see what you can do to make it more efficient for sleeping. So obviously, the first one that we want to do when it comes to daylight savings is block that room out, make mm. it nice and dark because it might be light and sunshiny outside, but that's not going to help them sleep. Yes. The human body needs a dark room to shut off and start producing the sleep, the sleep hormone melatonin. So invest in some block-out blinds. Now, you might not want to have them up all year round, and they're not the prettiest to look at, mm -hmm. um, but if they help your little one sleep, then it's all worth it. I know that there's quite a few different brands out there, but you can get yourself one that has suction caps, so you can just pop it up for daylight savings, and then take it down when things switch back to normal. Um, the other thing with the environment you want to look at is the temperature. You might want to consider introducing a fan or a cooling unit of some sort if it's warmer, because that's what a lot of you know, that's what's happening at the moment. It's still quite warm when it's meant to be 7 p.m. Yes. So you might want to look at trying to bring that temperature down a little bit um, in the first half of the night. The other thing that you might that you will probably want to consider is that the birds are going to be chirping that little bit earlier yes. so you might want to look at introducing just a white noise machine just temporarily to help buff out those um those noises that are happening around us yes yeah um that that's with the environment then outside of the environment i would definitely consider i mean this is even without daylight savings i consider introducing rituals for a baby or a toddler's bedtime so what that means is just the things that take place before the sleep so that when you do those, your little one understands what's happening next. And if you carry those through daylight savings, that's a really good indicator for them to slow down, wind down and bedtime or nap time is coming. And yeah. we go into those a little more in the program. But they are, I mean, rituals are amazing for children because when children, babies and toddlers, and they know what's coming, they're so much more settled. Yeah, they are, aren't they? And I think I, as a mum, I found them so much more comforting for me as well because otherwise I think your days and your nights can just really get out of control and you, you can think, you know, to yourself, oh, my goodness, what's tonight going to be like? Last night was a nightmare. Oh, absolutely. You know, so it can definitely help. Um, it, it definitely help in that regard. So I was just going to say, and having those rituals in place actually help parents 
a lot of parents have more freedom. So if you're not there for the bedtime, Mm. you know, nan or auntie or uncle, whoever it is, can do those rituals and that's really comforting for the baby or toddler. Um, Yes. And also on top of that, I was going to say, sorry. No, you're right. Keep talking. Um, (laughs) When it comes to daylight savings, don't stress out about it. So many families get in a tizzy, you know, of going, oh my goodness, daylight savings is coming. How am I going to adjust? There's really only two ways you can adjust your little one's routine and that is do it gradually. So you may want to bring bedtime forward by 15 minutes, wake them up 15 minutes earlier, try and transition them over the period of two weeks or so. Um, or you just do it gradu- um, or you just do it instantly on the day that daylight savings, wake them up an hour earlier, bring mm-hmm. everything forward. Wake periods, not time is what's important. So what I mean by that is, it doesn't. It's not important if your little one has to have a sleep at 10 a.m. What's important is the wake periods around that sleep. So you can always manipulate them to ensure that your little one's having a sleep at roughly the right time for them, and then just bring everything forward. And you mentioned also with the bedroom, just um, backtracking a little bit, the bedroom and the blackout, the blackout blinds. We did that yeah. with our children um, in a in a room, and at the time we couldn't really afford to get blinds. So I actually just went down to the news agents and got the thick black paper, cardboard paper, and stuck Perfect. it in the windows, and it did the same thing. So I think that you know, if if money is an issue, then there's always ways around those sorts of things as well to still achieve the same result. A hundred percent. And when I did an in-home consultation, when I first started, um, it was with a fly-in, fly-out family and the dad said to me, oh, love, you don't need a block-out blind, you just need some foil and a spray bottle of water. Um, <laughs> so that apparently works as well too. Yeah. There's definitely options. Yeah, absolutely. Black garbage bags. It's not going to look pretty, but if it gets your little one to sleep through daylight savings, it's well worth it in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I really love your more subtle and caring approach, which I think resonates through. And that's obviously why you've um, got the tribe around you that you have. If anyone who hasn't heard of Kylie, the sleep mama before, as we said, if you're wanting to find out more, you can visit her website at www.thesleepmama.com. There's a whole range of uh, information on there, information on the three different programs and also blog articles, etc. It's been really great to chat to you today, Kylie. Thank you so much for your time, Sarah. I absolutely love what you do and I'm so excited to be talking to you. Oh, thank you. That was Kylie from the Sleep Mama on the Rocking Motherhood Show. Thanks for listening.